to I Love That For You, the podcast that celebrates the late bloomers and trailblazers of all walks of life. I'm Red. No, I'm Kelly. And Kelly, I know you're a little nervous about this one I because... Am. Red, I'm nervous. You told me there might be some tears and I hate tears. There might be some tears because, well, I wanted to talk about a subject that isn't always easy to talk about because right now we are post-Thanksgiving, all the good food, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, we're recording this ahead of Thanksgiving because, as we know, I'm going to be in some kind of limbo, possibly on my way to Canada, possibly still in Rhode Island. We don't know. So we're recording this ahead of time. Right now, we're in November and we're coming off the holidays, but we're heading towards Christmas. And while it's a wonderful and meaningful time of year, it can also be kind of hard for people. And especially in November, we have like Veterans Day in the US, a Remembrance Day in Canada. We have Daylight Savings, like to butcher a quote from Emperor's New Groove, why do we even have this? (laughs) It's the worst. And we'll probably be in the midst, you know, in the middle of our seasonal depression. So I mean, (laughs) I mean, I've already been there since Daylight Savings happened. But yeah, Yes, more so right. than normal. So, more I mean, so. there is a little bit of bitter sweetness that comes to the holidays when especially we notice the people who aren't sitting at the table with us anymore mm. and not just because they went up for seconds. I mean, <laughs> the thing is, like, we're a positive podcast, but being positive in a healthy way means acknowledging difficult emotions at times. And one of those emotions is grief when we're losing someone that we love. And unfortunately, I just lost a family member. It was my Baba's sister. So um, we would call her Chuchi. It means like great aunt and Mm. she was 87 and she just passed away lived a long long life and it's just we were so thankful to have the time that we had with her she made it to her granddaughter's wedding she's seen her great-grandchildren like it's a very long and healthy life but you can feel a little bit sad at times like this when you know again we're sitting down to dinner and they're not there with us anymore and it's one of those bittersweet things because we'll get into it i'm sure you've gone through things like that too well and the other side of things as we record this tomorrow is my remaining grandma's 105th birthday Oh my god. So, happy birthday, Nana. You happy are a legend. Birthday. She really is. We she do have to do a spotlight on her because I, we really what should, a legend. Honestly. I gotta dig into that with my dad. I think I will because she, I, I think I've mentioned this before. She was shouted out by Tim Cook, the Apple CEO, yeah. on her 100th birthday five years ago. So she's at 100. I mean, what's no he gonna do for this birthday? Come I know, on. really. I'm waiting. Can I get an iPad this time? <laughs> and by the whole family for yeah, making it to 105. Right? the whole family gets one come on (laughs) exactly but no of course that's the remaining one but you know i've lost all the rest and it definitely makes the table a little less cheery and a little more somber but the other thing too is like there's the way that i think different family members would want to be remembered doesn't even have to be family members it can be friends it can be you know different loved ones and i don't think as much as we miss them they wouldn't want us to be sad and thinking about that they would want to be like i know my chuchi would be like uh why aren't you eating <laughs> yeah <laughs> like right come on like let's eat let's like go. Chop, chop. we all oh. made this food let's go <laughs> yeah right. especially if it's the yuki food oh my god mm. like so good yeah and there's different ways to remember these people and also i think there's just a big celebration of life that i think we often forget about when we talk about death and losing people and yeah. i think that can right. be something that while it's overlooked there is a positive look because i hate 
hate to tell everybody this, but no one's getting out of Life of Live. Oh, uh, Fred, how dare it's you? Shocking. What kind of podcast is this? I know, but the fact is, uh, you want to live your life on the way of your terms and things like that. And I think a lot of what we do is focus on people who do that. They find a way to make their life something worth celebrating in their own sense, like whether it's living their truths or it's blazing a new trail for other people so that they can follow in their footsteps. You know, some of the people we have covered have passed away. And that's why we focus on not only those who are still with us, thankfully, but also those who have gone because they've done so much. It's a little bit sad, but that's also why, you know, as we're recording this, at least for me, it's already like pitch dark outside and it's like... (laughs) I'm pretty close to... Yeah. What is it? Like four (laughs) o'clock? Yeah. Again, why do we even have this? (laughs) I wrote a poem to Daylight Savings. Wait, should I read it real quick? Yes, please. I, I was love just it. Feeling very motivated after my uh, depression from this. So, <clears throat> an ode to daylight savings by Kelly by Kelly Lansing. You come seemingly out of nowhere, year after year. That one hour back brings depression. Never any cheer. Sure, for that first day, we were grateful for the extra hour of sleep. And sure, I had fun counting all those extra sheep. The point here is, I thought we voted to do away with you. But alas, the federal government is the equivalent of dog poo. That's all I have to say. That's the end of this unhinged poem. Now, if you excuse me, I'm going to bed at five in my now very dark home. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Snaps. I know. Snaps. I think I should Beautiful. submit it to... Um, for a Pulitzer. I don't know. I don't know. Honestly, I think I might win. What a truth. And if that is how we finally do away with daylight savings, I can I be the first I'm to honest. say congratulations? Thank you. And thank you. I know. Thank you. Somebody had to say it, Red. Somebody had Somebody to have the did. very original take <laughs> that daylight savings is useless. It had to be someone, Red. Oh, someone to had it, to guys. say it. We've all been thinking it, and you're the I first know. to say it clearly. I said it out loud. Back to what you were saying before I completely derailed you. Who are we spotlighting, Red? I'm, well, I'm dying I'm to know. Very, very, very excited about this person because actually, this was a request that came in from. One of my friends of almost 20 years, who I call basically my music guru, although he is not blood related, I call him my brother, Coops. This is dedicated to Coops. He's one of my favorite people in the world. And like we've been kind of spotlighting people, hometown, home life related. And when I was telling him, oh, you know, I think maybe I should do a spotlight on someone from Toronto or like Ontario, someone like that, but maybe someone that people don't know as much about because again we Canadians we actually have quite a number of entertainers and people like that and he went oh my god can you talk about the hip the hip the hip and what he meant by that is the incredible Canadian rock band also known as one of Canada's quote best secrets the band the tragically hip (gasps) and I wanted to specifically focus on the person who really was the literal voice of the band, Gordon Edgar Downey, or better known as Gord Downey. Oh my do you know who I'm talking God. about? I do. I, I do thought so because hip. like, because oh, Buffalo people know Buffalo. about the Tragically uh, Hip. Yes. Yeah. They were like, they were big in like oh. the 80s, but then they like kind of stopped. Oh girl, recently, but they were I'm about to go 
all into it. I am oh so God. excited Maybe about this. this red. I feel like this yeah. is the thing I have done. <laughs> Thank you. Well, really, thank Coops because he was thank the you, bro- one who brought it to my attention. I because honestly, this. I was out of Canada by the time like they were really becoming a huge band up there and honestly like I didn't know much about them my dad knew of them and that's actually going to lead to another story which I was like we'll oh, get to right. it you viewed that and you wouldn't tell me we had to save it for the pod so yeah um, my was. dad is an interesting vault of information <laughs> in that you need to say certain key phrases to unlock information from him and you unlocked one <laughs> I unlocked let's, let's, one let's, and let's... I was like I'm sorry what so we're gonna get to that it's a quick side story, but it is related to basically the tragically hip. And there's going to be so much to say. And honestly, I am probably going to get emotional because this story is, I had no idea about his life and what an amazing person he was, but also the way he lived. Oh, let's just go into it. We have to start at the beginning. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> Gord was born in Amherst View, Ontario, which is just slightly west of Kingston. It's kind of this rural area. And he was born on February 6th, 1964 to Lorna and Edgar Downey and he was the fourth of ultimately five children that's yeah. a lot of kids even lot. even like you know for the 60s I feel like that's a lot that's of kids a lot. <laughs> so his dad was a traveling salesman turned real estate developer interestingly enough would introduce him to Harry Sinden Harry would eventually become coach of the Boston Bruins he would lead them to Stanley Cup victory in 1970 and he would also be the coach of Team Canada and would lead them to victory in the 1972 Summit Series particularly against the Soviet Union I know it's not historical historical like my usual but gotta throw a little bit of history in there who are you me? I know (laughs) but before that happened Harry was actually Gord's godfather so a little bit of a brag and a little bit of side history about him Gord actually would brag about this because the thing was he had a actually pretty happy childhood one thing noted was that he was a goalie for the amherst view hockey team he helped lead the team to victory in their division and i feel like it takes like a special breed of person to be a goalie like on a hockey team you can get very in your head and also growing up on the shore of like ontario would also have an impact later in his life but most importantly he always loved music and he would listen to his sister's 45 collection collection of records and he would use his allowance money to buy records of his own but like i said even though it was happy he later noted i came from a rural area i wouldn't say it's given me a stigma but it's something that always stayed with me not actually being from Kingston because he would actually end up attending Kingston Collegiate and Vocational Institute which is a very fancy word for a high school because that's what it was (laughs) but he would go in the downtown area of Kingston and being from a rural area the other kids were actually like the sons and daughters of doctors and judges and things like that yeah he would basically brag about his connection to hockey royalty because obviously that's a big deal even more so up there than it is down here but like he said he felt a little bit different but what really helped him to connect was definitely his passion for music during school he would join some local bands most notably in one called the slinks (laughs) and they had a friendly rivalry with another band called the rodents which i'm like this is so high school battle of the the bands even today like i don't know if you've seen fallon or kimmel one of those but like at coachella they would do this bit with asking people going into the festival are you looking forward to seeing the boogity boos and they're like oh yeah (laughs) totally they're so good like i love their latest album oh my god 99 percent of the bands were fake names right like that's how 
Well, I'm also thinking of like also Parks and Rec where it's like Mouse Rat and then they were like, oh, we used to be Five Skin and we used to be Everything Rhymes with Orange. I'm like, oh God, this is such like high school boys. Yeah, I love it. I love band names. But what's funny is that actually Gord would end up teaming up with the rodents bassist Gord Sinclair and guitarist Robbie Baker. And then a ninth grade drummer named Johnny Fay, they would form the Tragically Hip. So we're forming this in high school. Wow. And they played together starting in 1984 officially with saxophonist Davis Manning, who actually ended up leaving the band in 1986. And that was the same year that guitarist Paul Langlos, I'm so sorry I'm butchering your name, who also went to the same high school and he was the son of the gym teacher and football coach. Oh, wow. So it's like all these high school connections, but these five, Gord, Gord, yes, there's two Gords, Johnny, Robbie, and Paul, they would become the Canadian rock star legends. Our Gord, Downey, he would actually study film at Queen's University, though he is quoted about his time there saying, mostly, I learned how to drink. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, didn't we all? Let's be real. Didn't we all? (laughs) That's what college is. (laughs) But basically for the first three years, the band would do covers of 1960s British bands, like especially the Rolling Stones, because honestly, they said it was more of what they wanted to hear in the Toronto bar scene. And they would start doing their own original music, but it was mainly Gord Sinclair who would actually lead the charge on the lyrics at first. And word quickly spread about the band, though, because not only was it through Kingston that they were getting popular, but in Toronto as well. And in 1987, after performing at the Horseshoe Tavern, Bruce Dickinson, the president of MCA Records, was actually there and heard them play and offered them a record deal. What? How old are they? When is this? This is 1987. So, I mean, at this point, they're in their 20s. So, I mean, it's still, but that's still late for like a lot of... Yeah. Olivia Rodrigo was like, what, 17? I know. That's what I mean. Like Like, nowadays, we're like, oh, if you didn't start at 12. (laughs) Yeah, but Justin Bieber, like all these people. Yeah, did you come out the womb playing? Otherwise, we're not interested. Yeah, exactly. Wow. So that same year, The Hip would actually release their first EP and would go down to Memphis to record their first album, up to here in 1989. This record would sell over a million copies in Canada. And in 1990, they won their first Juno Award, which is the Grammys of Canada. They won it for the most promising band of the year. And this would prove to be very true. The Tragically Hip would eventually win a total of 16 Juno Awards, Whoa. the most of any band actually in Canadian history. But of oh. course, we're not done. We're not. No, <laughs> Please. No. Let's get started. <laughs> yeah, honestly, we kind of are because Gord would actually take over as lyricist in 1991 with Road Apples. That was the name of the album. And the Tragically Hip would win Entertainer of the Year that year at the Juno Awards. The one thing, though, that seemed to elude the band was actually success down south, a.k.a. in the U.S. That's kind of how Canadian bands would be like, oh, we made it. If like, yeah, if you made it onto like the U.S., that was like international. We are. They did make some pretty big appearances, most notably in 1995 when they would appear on SNL. Sorry, I'm getting all like, oh, because it was so cute. Normally the host would introduce the band. Right. And John Goodman was the host. But Dan Aykroyd, who is a Kingston local and a massive fan of the hip, like he had been begging Lorne Michaels to book the hip. Like he was like, please, can we get them on the show? Like, so he actually came on and introduced them because he was like, oh my God, can I please, can I please? Oh, fanboy. Oh, like, so cute. I'm not joking. Canadians 
love the Tragically Hip. I believe. The Hip would come down to the U.S. and sell out venues. But the problem was, apparently, it was allegedly all Canadians buying up the tickets. Canadians oh. who lived in the U.S. And they were just like, oh my god, the Hip are here. So they would, <laughs> like, within five minutes, sell out the venue. And no Americans could actually go oh, see no. them. So the Americans were like, who? We don't even know. And to make things even more difficult, the U.S. didn't really know how to place the band. Because they were, quote, a dressed-down, no-frills, roadhouse bar band. They're too traditional and aspirational to really be punk or alternative, but their sound was so, like, raw and, like, authentic that it didn't really blend in with mainstream music either at the time. So they were, like, this weird in-between, and because they also made very specific references to, like, Canadian history and, like, local lore, such as, like, the song Bob Cajun, which is referencing a small Ontario town, Americans just didn't really get it. Hmm. But it was kind of less about the records anyways and more about the live performances. The band apparently was so electric live and specifically Gord was a different kind of charismatic that people felt really drawn to along with his words. As popular Canadian magazine McLean's reported, Gord Downey, lead singer of the Tragically Hip, drafts some of the most sophisticated, intricate, evocative lyrics in rock and roll. The sing-along phenomenon is a measure of the remarkable power of the tragically hip to unify an audience with its music. So they're like singing along with the music, like that's encouraged. And it's not surprising that these five unassuming 30-something men from Kingston, Ontario comprise Canada's most popular band. Again, they're in their 30s now and they're still singing, they're still performing this band that formed in the 80s. Wow. And like, what year is this? They're in the 90s? Yeah, we're coming into like the 90s. So this is after SNL. We're going into like yeah. the 2000s now, playing like 20 plus years now and there really was something about gordy what's funny is like words like mischievous were often thrown about because he really did have this like playful side to him (laughs) i watched actually the interview where he apparently was asked during an interview what pissed him off like you know rock star (laughs) oh what pisses you off and he was like you know what what really pisses me off is when i go to the bathroom and i pull my pants down and then when i pull them back up they have piss on them (laughs) That pisses me off. I and his, too, his bandmate was just like, you're saying this in an interview. Like, really, man? You're going to tell this? Yeah, otherwise nothing really pisses me off. There's That's like a the play on the want. words. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, everything. Yeah. And he had this like way of wearing like these kind of big hats. And he had these scarves he would wear around his neck during performances. And he would say about the scarves, well, I'm just keeping my instrument warm because he was the lead singer. He also would make these cameo appearances in a very comical way in like some popular Canadian films such as the entire group of Tragically Hip appeared as an opposing curling team in the Leslie Nielsen romantic comedy Men With Brooms. So it's about curling. Oh my god. And also, if you've ever heard of the Trailer Park Boys, he actually was in the movie The Big Dirty where he and Rush guitarist Alex Lifeson would play a pair of cops. What? And this is where my quick side story comes in. Ooh, okay. Because as I was asking my dad, password unlocked, I was asking him about the Tragically Hip. He was like, no, I didn't really know them as well. They're very similar to like Rush, you know, the group that's from North York, Gigi's patient. Wait, what? I went, Gigi, my grandfather? Like his patient? He was like, oh yeah, well, not the whole band. Getty Lee, that was his uh, patient. What? My grandfather was Getty Lee's doctor. Gigi was a rock star's doctor? Oh my god and i was like dad why did you never met and he's like well you never asked i'm like oh i'm just supposed to ask things like this very specific question i was like are you kidding me 
like, else has he treated? Now I'm curious. I know. <laughs> like now, but apparently that didn't unlock more information. Uh, okay. So I'm like, like, thanks, Dad. Thanks, so yeah, the another... lead singer of Rush was yeah. my grandfather's patient. Oh, my God. That's so cool. <laughs> That's so cool. I'm going to go up to Canada and just find out the wildest connections, apparently. Oh, yeah. You will. When you, you unlock more keywords, your dad will be like, right? oh, yeah, and also Meryl Streep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I already unlocked the whole Gretzky story, and I unlocked, yeah. like, so many other things. So, yeah. I mean, I'm just like, okay. You will. You're going to get lots more. I yeah, guess. it turns out I'm the Canadian royalty. You are. You're, you probably I'm not going to marry it. I'm going to be it. You are the royalty. Yeah. <laughs> Gord was also described as a very caring, creative, and passionate person, too. In 2001, not only did he release his first solo album, but he also released a collection of poetry as well. And while he actually explored a lot of collaborations with other artists and he would introduce different sounds, like, you know, just explore that scene, and he actually never strayed far from playing with his friends in the hip. Like, he never left the band. He would bring these different ideas and these different sounds as well, so the sound would develop with them. But he would say, I feel like there's more to do when talking about staying with them. There's more to accomplish. The writing as a collective is unique, and maybe other people don't realize it, but we know it. And I think other people would know it too, because in 2005, the Tragically Hip was inducted into the Canadian Hall of Fame. Yes. Kelly, we're still not done. We're done. We got some. Oh, I know we're not. There's more. So, like I said, growing up on the shores of Lake Ontario was very important to him, and he became very involved in environmentalism efforts most notably as a board member of the Lake Ontario Waterkeeper. This was like a huge advocacy group to help with environmental efforts and especially with like waterways and things like that, just protecting it. He also was a huge advocate for the Indigenous people of Canada, saying the last 150 years aren't as much worth celebrating as we think, but the new 150 years can be years of building an actual nation. Imagine if they, the Indigenous people, were part of us and we them. How incredibly cool that would make us. That's what's missing as we celebrate donuts and hockey <laughs> oh how progressive wow. right what a forward thinker I know. And we're going to come back to this because he does so much more too. What's also weird is like, I can't find exactly when this happened, but not only is he this rock star, philanthropist, artistic poet, but he also got married <laughs> to Laura Lee Usher and would have four kids. <laughs> so he's a dad, he's a husband, he's a friend, he's a rock star. He's like, he's like everything. Wow. Yeah. I mean, the thing was, he and Laura would separate in 2015, but they actually were never fully divorced because actually they were still very close friends. Good. And this is where I'm going to start getting emotional. No. I know. Because following his father's funeral in 2015, Gord would get some terrible news. He had cancer. And not just any cancer. It would turn out to be glioblastoma. This is one of the most aggressive forms of brain cancer you can be diagnosed with. And though Gord's particular cancer was responding well to treatment, the doctors confirmed it was terminal. Most mm -hmm. people do not survive beyond 50 months after diagnosis, and less than 1% live up to 10 years. And this is actually a very personal note because I have had experience dealing with this particular form of cancer. Oh, no. One of my sister's best friends, a lovely woman named Erin Brennan, she unfortunately received this diagnosis while she was in her 20s. Erin was honestly one of my favorites of my sister's friends. Sorry, not sorry at all. <laughs> she was so full of life and she had the best sense of humor. I mean, yeah. I know people will say the expression, she lit up a room. But yeah. honestly, I feel like Erin would light up the room and then be like, let's make this room weird. <laughs> 
she just had this like incredible laugh and she always seemed to be on the verge of like some great story or about to do like some wild idea she was just very kind to take me in she and my sister's other friend alexa they took me in in their apartment in austin texas while I was traveling out to California. I got to spend a little one-on-one time with both of them. And honestly, it could have been so awkward because again, I'm like the big sister. Like, you know, you know of each other, but you don't spend that much one-on-one time. But it was so easy and it was so fun. Obviously, I'm not at all as close to her as like my sister or other people are she probably thought I was a weirdo too like let's be honest (laughs) well you are but in a good way yeah yeah well (laughs) but she made such a powerful impression not just on me but on so many people and she was just so special and just alive and even after her diagnosis she traveled all over the globe she married the love of her life she did so many things and she fought against the odds and she actually survived seven years with the disease before passing away at 31 years old so she actually reminds me a lot of gordon that way where she's just doing the unexpected in the most unique way so i just want to do a quick shout out for her because when i read this i obviously started getting emotional and (laughs) being like i know this and i know then how scary that is when you hear that and that's why also when this diagnosis happened as i said doing the unexpected in the most unique way possible. The doctors and the band's manager would actually announce Gord's diagnosis in 2016, but they also would announce some very shocking news. And let me be clear, how people deal with news like that is very personal and it's entirely up to them how they want to spend the rest of their time and a lot of times we know public figures they're going to withdraw to privately spend their days with their loved ones yeah and there is nothing wrong with that and completely understandable but gord wanted to pull everyone in for one last group hug and that is why they announced the tragically hip would be doing a literal farewell tour supporting their 13th album, Man Machine Poem, traveling and performing shows throughout Canada. The proceeds would go in part to the Gord Downey Fund for Brain Cancer Research at Sunnybrook Hospital in Toronto. And the tour raised so much awareness that Sunnybrook and the Cancer Society say additional donations of over $1 million from bake sales and raffles and concert viewing parties and more in 2016 alone as Thousands of fans translated their emotional response to Downey's diagnosis into action. Red. But he still wasn't done. (laughs) Oh my god. Right? So on top of being on tour, spending time with loved ones, and battling terminal cancer, he would actually create a multimedia project called The Secret Path. It's part music album graphic novel and short film and it retraced the steps of 12 year old Ojibwe boy named Chani Charlie Wenjack who died trying to flee a residential school in 1966 so 50 years prior they also announced the Gord Downey and Chani Wenjack fund to help raise money to support reconciliation between indigenous and non-indigenous people on top of everything else he's going through like I'm like who how long after his diagnosis are we that's crazy right And for this, Gord was also honored at the Assembly of First Nations, where they gave him a star blanket and eagle feather, which is a huge honor. And they also gave him the name Wakapi Omani, which means in Lakota, man who walks amongst the stars. I'm actually going to send you a link right now. This is footage from the ceremony, and I just want you to see Gord's face. Oh my god, Red, you're going to make me cry. Right? Look at his face, look at him. I know. Oh my god, Red! 
So basically, he broke down and said, it will take 150 years or seven generations to heal the wound of the residential schools. To become a country and truly call ourselves Canada, it means we must become one. We must walk down a path of reconciliation from now on, together and forever. This is the first day of forever, the greatest day of my life and the greatest day of all of our lives. Oh my god, Red. However... He would also give another great day to all of Canada (laughs) as the last stop of the tour, which would bring him back to his home turf at the Roger K. Rock Center in Kingston on August 20th, 2016. What one fan described as a marathon of hope would cross the finish line with a powerful final show. The Toronto police tweeted out that day, Dear world, please be advised that Canada will be closed tonight at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Have a hashtag tragically hip day. So not only were there 6,700 individuals in the K-Rock Center for the show, but an additional 25,000 people gathered nearby for the live feed. And then not only that, but reportedly one third of Canada's entire population gathered around their televisions and computers and laptops to stream this final performance. And apparently this, yeah, well, actually, funny enough, we'll get to that in a moment. Oh, God. Basically, the performance was incredible. Described with moments where Gordon screamed into the microphone for the final notes of their number, Grace 2, with so much emotion and grief. He delivered a call to action to do better for the causes he believed in. He laughed with his friends. He sang. He cried. He would make several public appearances after this concert, but certainly this one was the one that people... So many people would remember. As one reporter said, it wasn't a lyric that really pushed him over the edge. It was... Instead, four simple words that Gord said, without sarcasm, bitterness, anger, sadness, or resentment. He simply said, have a nice life. And he did. He and the Tragically Hip would actually receive the Order of Canada. It's the second highest honor you can actually get after the Order of Merit. It's such a huge thing to be awarded by that. And it's awarded by the Monarch of Canada. So it's a huge honor. However, Gord Downey would pass away. On October 17, 2017, at the age of 53 in Toronto, and it was met with collective grief across Canada. Statements were released by so many people, including famous names like Ryan Reynolds, Seth Rogen, Katie Lang, Neil Young, Drake, Rush, and so many more. The CBC news broadcast The Nation spent 40 of its 60-minute broadcasts solely about Gord and the hip. Multiple hockey teams, towns, and even the House of Commons would hold moments of silence, candlelight vigils, and even more for Gord. And Prime Minister Justin Trudeau held a press conference at Parliament Hill, tearfully saying, Our buddy Gord, who loved this country with everything he had, and not just loved it in a nebulous, oh, I love Canada way. He loved every hidden corner, every story, every aspect of this country that he celebrated his whole life. As the Downey family said in part on the Tragically Hip website, as a musician, he lived the life for over 30 years. Lucky to do most of it with his high school buddies. At home, he worked just as tirelessly at being a good father, son, brother, husband, and friend. No one worked harder on every part of their life than Gord. No one. Thank you, everyone, for all the respect, admiration, and love you've given Gord throughout the years. Those tender offerings touched his heart and takes them with him now as he walks amongst the stars. 
I have in my notes here that I am now a blubbery mess. You're so <laughs> I'm a blubbery mess. But I wanted to say what an incredible human being. I had literally no idea about. Thank you, Coops, for making me cry. Yes, Coops um, and me. Like, I'm, oh, God. I, had no I, I probably still didn't even do him justice because there's so many more details. Oh. I knew of them. Like, I knew of the name, but I right. really had no idea no, I about. No idea about him either. I just and don't love them. Yeah. Here's the other thing I want to say even more. You don't have to be a rock star to have an impact on someone's life. And I'm not taking anything away from Gord. I know no matter what Gord had done with his life, he would have made a difference to so many. Like he just, you can tell he's just that sort of person. Like he didn't have to be a rock star to like be so positive. The efforts he went through to help so many people. It seems almost like stardom found him rather right. than him pursuing it. So whether you're a Canadian rock star, a elderly matriarch, or a friend whose light shines so bright, or anyone in between, you matter and you are so loved, and it's okay to miss people this time of year. But it's so important to remember the good times and why these people matter to you so much. And grief is so tricky, and I think ultimately it weirdly is a form of love. By loving those who touched our lives and remembering them, which is ultimately what this podcast is all about. So that's why I know it's a difficult subject, but that's why I wanted to bring it up because I know, especially right now, this time of year, it's so tough when you lose somebody. I know my family's hurting a little bit, losing Chuchi, Natalie. She was an amazing person. Aaron was an amazing person. And I mean, Gord, oh my God. Like, <laughs> what an incredible person. And like, you can see the efforts that he went through. I mean, I'm so excited to get up to Canada and just see like, you know, what are ways I can reach out and help and do different things to kind of help with these efforts too that he's talking about. Obviously, there's so much more that needs to be done, not only in Canada, but in the US too. Like, let's be real. Did they ever so, get in the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, tragically him? I don't believe the US one. Well, they should. I mean, honestly. <laughs> Missed opportunity there. Honestly. Well, yeah. but that's the thing because again, what's great about it is like they were so influential to so many people. I mean, you have the Prime Minister. Yeah, come on. Be like, Gord, like, yeah. come on, <laughs> now. you on a first name basis, like, That's okay, crazy. and like you're hanging out with like Rush on yeah. set. I mean, granted, <laughs> Gigi, apparently. yeah, <laughs> apparently, like, what the hell, Dad? Um, so crazy, but yeah, I just, oh, I love this. We know like grief is so tricky, but it would be so not authentic to us as a podcast to be like, oh, we can only focus on positive, and you can't have any negative. Like, grief isn't ultimately a negative emotion grief is missing somebody who you loved in some way like a friend or a, a family member or hell even an enemy you're like oh i wish yeah, i had that rivalry i, just, I miss that rivalry i've got a lot of right. those in hollywood <laughs> right but you wouldn't wish like them to be gone grief is also that way of remembering them and celebrating them and keeping their memory alive and it's really sad but wonderful feeling to know like that you had that impact with them you had that time with them you were able to celebrate that together so oh. gord oh my god we gordon you are you. We, we love you so much so like much. I, and i've been like listening to their music and i was like yeah, now i'm gonna I... go down a rabbit hole oh yeah <laughs> thanks a lot i should also mention at this point that while the rest of the band continues to create music and play together and things like that they have officially disbanded the tragically hip just because that right. was you know it wasn't the same without him and they will continue to do what they do it's just not going to be under that name 
So I'm sure, oh, oh, I wish I had kept this one thing. There was a funny moment where Gord said that he had all this music that he hadn't released. And actually, they released an album 10 days after his death, like a solo album. And he said he had so much music (laughs) that he was like, the people of Canada are going to be like, what, more music? Isn't he dead yet? He was like, we're funny that way. I was like, oh my, like he's still joking about this. And I'm like, that's like the beautiful thing about it too. Because again, there's nothing wrong with like the way you want to, when you have a diagnosis like that, there are so many different ways that you can handle it. And none of it is wrong. Like, I mean, unless you're going out and hurting other people. Well, yeah. But if you want to take that time to be alone, if you want to go out and have like the craziest time, if you want to go on tour and like tour the country and do different things, or if you want to... I don't know, like, just stay in with your loved ones and just spend as much time as possible. None of that is wrong. None of that is, it's however, however you choose to live your life. We and I love that for you. Support that. Not only just if you have a diagnosis like that, but however you choose to live your life, that's going to make you happy. Pursue that because obviously we can learn from Gord here where it's just, you should pursue the things that you care about. You should pursue your passions because yeah, life is crazy. And it's crazy. You should just get crazy with it. <laughs> exactly. Like what did our friend Anthony Bourdain say? It's a, a it's an amusement park. Enjoy the ride. Yeah. <laughs> Your body's an amusement park. Enjoy the ride. Yeah. That's something like that. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's, and that's like that's for you. right. And that's why we focus on all these people too, because we want to keep those not only their memories alive, but the things we can learn from them and the things that they have impact. On so many different people, whether personally or whether it's just for other people to hear. And maybe that has an impact on you. That's why we do this. And that's why we love that for you. And that's why we would also love you to rate, review, and subscribe (laughs) and tell a friend. We'd be so thankful if you did. Please help us out. That's your payment. Just uh, takes two seconds. We would be very (sighs) thankful for that. We are thankful for you, listeners. And we will see you next week. And, uh, we probably on a happier note. <laughs> on a happier note, probably I'll do some chaotic. Although uh, this was all happy, it you was, know. It was. Yeah, but, but uh, love we guys. love you guys, and you matter. We love you. Thank you for joining us on I Love That For You. Our theme song is by Vaudeville and used with permission. Our cover art is by Jenny Lamb, edited to the best of our abilities by Kelly and Red. If you want us to spotlight someone, have questions, or just want to say hi, email us at ilovethatforyoupod at gmail.com or join us on Instagram at ilovethatforyoupod to join the love fest and see what else we get up to. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, 
basically wherever else you listen. We appreciate all your love. And if you want to help support the show, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. This helps us spread the love and reach more people. Thanks for listening. We love you.